Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have their 50th episode of a Star Trek podcast. Whoa. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Jeez. Yeah. You look up and you've made 50 super embarrassing things. I never thought we'd do five of these. Yeah. We've come a long way, haven't we? Hmm. Should we open some cards? Yeah, let's do it. The game is five cards stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the card data. Time to pluck a pigeon. I feel like I I do worse opening these every single time. <laughs> what does it mean to do worse? I just I'm scared to bend the cards. Like I know that they're worthless or whatever, but I'm like Whoa! How dare you say that? Let's see. Got a card for an episode called Force of Nature. It's like a Picard godhead image. I do feel like the descriptions on the backs of, of these cards might be a happy medium in between the like longer plot summaries that we reference from Wikipedia and the incredibly inaccurate one-sentence plot summaries that Amazon uses. Oh, those uh, are fun. But yeah, I feel like the inaccuracy is often an opportunity to whip out the clarifying Picosby. <laughs> <laughs> the necessary Picosby mm-hmm. that, that illuminates the issue. I got kind of a banger of a pack here. Really? Did you fan him out? Yeah, I got Coming of Age, which is an image of Wesley with no facial features at all except for eyes and a mouth. Creepy. Yeah. But after that, it's Conspiracy, Dang. Cyric, Night Terrors, and The Inner Light. Oh, I have The Inner Light right here. The, ep- the episode that hilariously gets wrong how Patrick Stewart will look like when he's much, much older. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have Cyric also. What the hell? Right? Good that, pack. That Cyric card is pretty sweet. Yeah, it is a the image of a hand held up in live long and prosper fingers and then circled around that hand is a rainbow yeah and Cyric's face is in the middle of that hand I also have cards for an episode called the hunted and the uh, episode where Troy gets subjected to pregnancy McLaughlin group the child do love that McLaughlin group issue one man conspiracy is a cool looking card it's uh, it's like a quarter of a face. Is with it Remick's head getting blown apart? I with an eye it. that's opened and terrified, and there's a there's a bug sort of screen printed over the top of it. My cards are all out of order. I, I kind of feel like I opened up Conspiracy at some point. I've been ordering my cards as we go because I am a nerd. <laughs> the only one I can put a hand to easily is my George Baxter, which I covet. I bet you're putting a hand to it easily if <laughs> George Baxter's around. Yeah, I've, I've still got my Sterling Macer Jr. and my Charles Dennis. Still waiting for that Biff Yeager. It's coming, though. I can feel it. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, that Bill Tilly has uh, now done is uh, he made, a, he made a, a Photoshop of Biff Yeager in, a, in an overcoat, like a trench coat, offering up natural Yeagers. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I guess Biff Yeager got got wise to it and uh, and followed us 
uh, as a result. I am really excited that people are interacting with Biff Yeager. I hope it remains friendly and fun. Yes. But I am a little bit apprehensive about uh, about Biff joining our greater ecosystem because he's a he's a nice old man. Right. He's like and and the people in our fan community are horror shows. <laughs> yeah. The uh, this is a guy that is trying to have a nice acting career and write children's books on the side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and we are a group of people that have really gathered around the the warm light of dick and fart jokes. Yeah. I think if there's one thing I want to put out there is that like don't fuck with the Jaeger, all right? Yeah. yeah. Be cool. Be chill. <laughs> I don't I don't want Biff Jaeger to think less of us because of something that somebody not us did. Don't be the reason that Biff Yeager doesn't come to Greatest Gen Con 2017. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, those are words to live by, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. In any context, don't mm-hmm. be that guy. Don't be that guy. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. You want to talk about Season 3, Episode 3, Survivors? Which is an episode that I believe sets the record for squinting into the commercial break. (laughs) I think every single commercial break is preceded by a push into the actor and a squint into the distance and then dissolve to commercial. Pretty solid. Pretty good. There was a lot of it. I'll I'll at least give you that. Yeah. Oh. Hello. Hello. All right, so... There is a distress call, as many episodes begin with, and it is coming from a planet called Delta Rana 4, and the Enterprise shows up, and this planet is wiped out, scorched earth. Like, yeah. they get a load of the, of the surface, and it's just, it's just a splotchy mess. Yeah. I mean, Jordy's, Jordy's not on the bridge to talk shit about how bad it looks, but it looks bad. <laughs> He's off nagging somewhere else. <laughs> it sort of teases the idea that it might be uh, a Borg's He's a Borg Involvement, right? Like, just the way the planet's been ice cream scooped away Nobody ever says anything about the Borg's Yeah And then when the The implication to me felt yeah. a little bit Borg's-ish Right, but yeah, like, I almost feel like it should have been the Borg's But they didn't want to get rid of the Borg's Spoiler right. alert Yeah Um. So it's not the Borgs. It's just people who operate exactly like the Borgs. So they do uh, They do a scan, a scan and enhance <laughs> uh, for a while. And they find, you know how like when you, when you fly over the country and you look down and, it's, and you can see like the squares of farms mm-hmm. down there, like they're perfect little squares. So they're, they're doing the scan on the planet and it's scorched earth for miles in every direction. But they find one of those squares. A little square of green. An entire planet obliterated, except for a few acres of trees and grass and one building. Green postage stamp on the surface of the planet. Yeah. It's like you missed a spot. Yeah. And so they're like, I think we're picking up some life signs down there. And Picard's like... Number one, I think you had better see who's at home. So they form an away team, and, uh, and they beam down to Malibu House. Yeah. Which is... A beautiful white house on some verdant 
land. It looks beautifully taken care of. Yeah, they're definitely not observing the water limitations that your average California house yeah. uh, has has observed, given the the uh, water crisis. But yeah, so let's talk about who's in the in the Dustbuster Club right now. It's uh it's Riker, it's Jordy, it's Worf. Data is also there. Yeah, and Riker's doing a little bit uh, of anybody's at this point. <laughs> Anybody! And he steps into. A Pee Wee Herman style <laughs> snare trap. Yeah. Like it's the one spot on the lawn that that there's a trap set in, and yeah. sure as shit, Riker steps in it. Well, I just I I like to picture that there's dozens and dozens of these on, on this lawn. Yeah. <laughs> like almost anywhere you step, you could you could get your your ankle lassoed and taken up into the into the heights on a. On a pole. I wonder if it got him on the vine leg. Uh, that can't feel good. I think it was. I think it was his other foot. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, so Riker's a dangling, <laughs> and the two inhabitants of the house, Kevin and Rashawn, walk out. And, and uh, Kevin. Kevin is strapped. What are you doing there? This is private property. And his voice reminds me of. Jasper Beardley from The Simpsons. It's a peddling. <laughs> it's got that weird Dan Rather whistle, a little bit of Sean Connery mixed in. Like, it's really, like, it's a quintessentially perfect old man voice. Yeah, I feel like this voice we've heard in other things. I, don't, I didn't look yeah. up the actor, but he seems super familiar. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Kevin's got a piece, and so he's holding a gun to him. Worf has like has like tricordered the whole place. He knows that this is a non-functioning weapon. Yeah, no one's afraid of this old man with his empty piece. And and so they get Riker down and they convince Kevin to let them check out the house because Riker is uh you know, like they're they're there to figure out why this house got spared. Like what's going on and and to be clear, I think Riker's doing a little bit of real estate speculation as well. Like, <laughs> uh, nobody for miles. Excellent curb appeal. No anybody for miles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the inhabitants are probably not going to be living there for very much longer. Yeah. Going to be on the market soon. Yeah. I was going to call this the, the matte painting planet, because every time they go to a wide shot, it's like, it's like the people are standing on a small bit of lawn that has got matte painting all around it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's that's Riker's natural habitat. Like he loves he loves looking out over a desolate matte painting. <laughs> it's sort of his deal. Yeah. They go into the house. Worf compliments Kevin on his unmitigated gall, trying to stick him up with a an unloaded weapon. Yeah, uh, game respect game. I admire gall. And Data finds a little music box on the shelf. Yeah, it's a music box that has two... Is it one ballerina or is it a couple of dancers inside? Yeah, it's like a man and a woman doing a doing a waltz. Yeah, and it plays ice cream truck music. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as this box is turned on, we cut back to the Enterprise. And Counselor Troy is like hit with a lightning bolt of this music. Yeah. And it's the sort of, it's the version of this music that's Doppler affected. Like, 
we heard the music down on the planet. Right. That ice train truck in... is heading off into the distance all the time. Yeah. It's a very and... frustrating feeling because you know you missed out on some soft swirl. Her disappointment at missing the ice cream is equal to the pain she's feeling for right. hearing this music, this Doppler shifted music. It's totally overwhelming to her. There's a whole bunch of scenes in this episode before she kind of cops to the fact that she's in total psychic distress where she's got to like sit in a meeting and everybody's talking and all she can do is listen to this stupid fucking ice cream truck. Yeah. And it's some real capital A acting by by Troy here, by yeah. Marina Surtees. Like she at many points just totally breaks like mm-hmm fall on the floor crying breaks yeah she's given a lot to do in this episode and uh it's a it's kind of a mystery for most of the episode what is has befallen her right i mean we know that it's linked to this music box in some way but it's pretty crazy mystery yeah so on the surface uh the away team is making the case for i mean this is this is an episode that's a little bit like the one that came before they're trying to convince the inhabitants that it's dangerous to stay yeah. Whoever did this to the rest of the planet is probably coming back. Right, and we're not really sure why they spared you, but yeah. like, we'd like to get to the bottom of that too. But in the meantime, like this is not a place that we feel good about leaving you, and obviously it's your right to do whatever you want. Um, it's a real Dante's Peak scenario. Like, the volcano's exploding, old right. lady. Like, don't you want to leave? Yeah. <laughs> and they're really gauchevinning it. Like yeah, th- they are especially Kevin. Kevin. Kevin does not even want to hear it. He's not even trying to hear it. Yeah, he's like, we're not going anywhere. And he's like, not initially rude, but he really tips toes up to the line. Yeah. So they finish up with them, and they're like, all right, well, we're gonna get back to the surface, but I wouldn't count on us going anywhere. They go back up to the Enterprise, where they are greeted by a ship that looks like one that could have attacked the planet. Right. It's like huge. They say it's five times the mass of the Enterprise. Look at the size of that. It's flexing. Like, it is It is loaded for bear with enough enough weaponry to wipe out the entire surface of a planet. So they're like, plausible that these are the guys that we're looking for with regard to this huge genocide that has just been committed here. Um, I think they even refer to it as a holocaust at some point. Yeah. This ship for being as big as it is. Look at the size of that. It's just not very impressive looking to me. Yeah. It looks like sort of a metal paper airplane. Yeah, it's it's not uh it's got the all the imagination of a ship from like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is a sick burn on Battlestar Galactica, which I know is a show that people like. I don't like it. Uh, I like it. Really? Fuck you. <laughs> but, you know, so, it's it's like uh I think that one thing that this show has a history of doing really well is throwing a ton of character into the ships, and you can kind of speculate about the kind of people that would build a ship like the one that you see on screen, yeah. where the Romulans have a very distinct style to to themselves, and the Klingons, and the Ferengi, and the Borg, and you can extrapolate a lot about them from their ship designs. This is an inscrutable ship design that is, you know, it might as well have been drawn in a graph paper notebook by a nerdy high school student named Ben Harrison. Right. Like, 
for instance, someone like Jordy wouldn't be able to look at this ship and make a, a character judgment based on its inhabitants. Right. <laughs> it's something that he loves doing. <laughs> yeah. It is a guiding principle with Darth Vader's base. Have you got find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. And it, uh, it starts, like, shooting a pea shooter at him. And uh, George, I think Worf is... Uh, is like kind of kind of chuckling at how how puny this this weapon is, but uh, but the ship uh, takes off and they try to pursue it, and so they're like warping away, and there there's just nothing they can do to catch up to this ship. It's matching their speed so perfectly that that there's no possible chance they could catch up to it. Right, and so they whip the ship back around and head back to the planet, thinking that. Uh, they've saved its two inhabitants for now. Right. They've chased this ship off. and so But the urgency is sort of redoubled now, right? Like, they've right. seen this big ship. They know it's around. they got to try to get Kevin and Rashawn off the planet. Right. And this is also, like, vexing for the reason that they've pretty, like, thoroughly scanned the system. Like, Worf says he's willing to stake his reputation on the fact that there's no ship, and then the ship shows up. So they're like, wow, like... It's either got some kind of cloaking technology or something, but... How about gambling Worf again? Yeah. Ready to Ready to stake his reputation on it. Like, keep gambling, Worf. Well, Worf does get vindicated in the end, but... Uh, That's true, yeah. But uh, th- this this hand, he does lose. Yeah. And um, this is now urgent enough that Picard chooses to beam down, and Kevin and Rashan are mucking around in the dirt, like doing some gardening and Kevin's got a garden weasel. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. Garden weasel of the future. Yeah. Space weasel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he he shows up with gifts. He's like, Hey, I got a replicator for you guys. And Worf's going to set it up for you. Yeah. Worf will walk you through its operation. He's got the Ikea, uh, instructions for putting it together. <laughs> uh, this is this is a white glove delivery. Um, and one of the things that we've uh, learned is that the planet's water table has been tainted by the attack. So, like, there's not really any reason to believe that Rashan and Kevin could survive here if they did leave. But right. Rashan and Kevin are quite insistent that they would like to stay. And so Picard is down here to to talk them out of it. And when he can't talk them out of it, he promises that the Enterprise will stay in orbit f- forever, like indefinitely, until they die <laughs> of natural causes, I guess, to because they have to defend them from this attacking ship. Which Based is, on their age, that could only be a couple of days. <laughs> uh, in this series, this is the second time that Picard has said that the Enterprise can stay here forever if it needs to. The other time being um, the uh, the Royale. God, how disappointing would that be for the rest of the crew? Right? Like, like, this is the flagship. Can you really spare it for something like that? Can't you, like, shift in another less important ship of the line? Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, this is really, like, vexing to Kevin, who has been explaining to them the entire time. He's a man of special conscience. The reason they were spared... In the initial attack was that he refused to lift a finger to help defend the colony. And Rashan uh, says that while she wanted to help fight, she decided to stay with her husband rather than join the the colonists 
and he keeps hit, twanging on this idea that he is a pacifist, that he doesn't he doesn't commit acts of violence, he will not kill. Like, like no circumstance could cause him to kill. Ooh, you better believe that's a pattern. He just keeps hitting on this, and it's like, guy, like you're just an old man in a house. Nobody is accusing you of being willing to kill. <laughs> like, yeah, and also, like, what's he going to do against a ship that's mowing down the planet from orbit? Like, right. he's going to shake a rake at it? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's going to get out like, his... All right, his, Kevin. He's going to get out his weed whacker and cut it down on him. <laughs> Bet he's hoping that the, that the attacking ship has, has grass pollen allergies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a fun scene because uh, they enjoy some tea together. So it's Worf and Picard sitting on the Malibu couch. Yeah. Across from uh, Kevin and his wife. And Worf, <laughs> Worf is like... Good tea. Nice house. Like he's a guy who doesn't enjoy drinking tea that has a Mr. Yuck sticker on it. Like, <laughs> like he likes that tea. I think this is one of the rare times you actually see him lie. Yeah. Like intentionally lie to someone. Yeah, it's great. It, he, but he lies. He like he picked up that that cadence on on the Edo planet when he said right. nice planet. Like, yeah, he, that's sort of uh, his brand. Yeah, he's gonna be kind of monosyllabic in in his assessment of any situation. I'd love to read Worf's Yelp reviews. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible parking, pretty good service, <laughs> generous portions. Dirty bathroom. <laughs> Poor quality espresso. Good French fries. <laughs> what did you even order, Worf? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Valet was a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That should be a thing. <laughs> my, my, my love is a I think we've accidentally done bits that have already been done before on the show. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Wharf Yelp was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you say what you call accidental, I call rank plagiarism. So, sure. fuck you. Yeah. So, meanwhile, up on the Enterprise, like, Troy has been put into a medical coma because the ice cream truck music is driving her that crazy. She is, like, screaming and wailing and... Like, nothing is helping get the music out of her head. Not even the coma. Like, she is as brain dead as the doctor can safely make her, and she's yeah. still, like, tossing and turning on the bed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fucked up. Like, she is really suffering here. Yeah. And uh, Picard is, like, is is pissed. Like, he's he really goes to bat for Troy with... Like, he knows something is up. And this is sort of where Picard st- starts to put, put it together. But I feel like he kind of has a picture of what's going on about halfway through the episode, but doesn't Sherlock Holmes it until way, way later. Like, he doesn't kind of, like, go through what the plot was. And so he just starts, like, really smarty-pantsing around. Like, he keeps telling, you know, Riker to get the ship to do something that doesn't make any sense to Riker because Riker is not privy to Picard's theory of the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, everybody is getting pissed with Picard uh, before long. Like, they keep going nose-to-nose with this fucking dangerous ship that keeps entering the system 
in the exact same way. Like, they definitely recycled the shot of the ship coming into orbit three times. Yeah. And, you know, it keeps shooting at them and getting more dangerous. Eventually, Picard just tells Riker to to stand by and not do anything as this ship re-wipes out the surface of the planet. And so, so as far as everybody knows... Uh, Every like the last two people in this horrible holocaust have been allowed to be killed by the captain, and they warp out of the system. <laughs> they destroy the ship, though, right? They destroy the attacking ship with a single torpedo. Right. It's suddenly much more vulnerable to their attacks, and and they bounce. And so it's it's a couple of really weird things have happened here. Right. In the span of like two minutes. Yeah, because because nobody on the ship is privy to like like in uh you know like a civil proceeding in in the law you you talk about your theory of the case and you as as a lawyer are communicating with the other side about what your theory of the case is and it's all all about like trying to poke holes in in one's theory of the case and Picard clearly has a theory of this case but he does not let in any of his associates on what that might be. So he chaotic bros it. Totally. And they he's are kind of a chaotic captain. They are just horrified that he's let these two people be killed. Yeah. It's a very strange strange set of choices he makes about how to go about doing this. I mean, it helps enhance the dramatic tension of the episode, but it's weird. Sure. Yeah, so then Picard's like, peace out, let's get out of here. <laughs> and they fly away. They fly away for a couple hours. And the Picard's like, all right, let's head back. <laughs> Which is confusing to everyone in the same way as all of his other actions have been. Right. He, but, he still hasn't uh, showed them his cards. Yeah. Uh, the first card that gets shown to the rest of the crew is when they arrive back at the planet, uh, the green patch is back and the Malibu house is back. Right. And so are Kevin and Rashawn. So at this point, everyone's starting to put together how they've been fucked with. Yeah. And this is the point where Picard's like, beam them directly to the bridge. Yeah, they're pretty stunned. Like, they thought that the Enterprise was out of their lives for good. And Picard is on to Kevin. And and he's on to Kevin in that Kevin is not human. And Kevin basically has a, a confession here, which is, A, he is an alien. I am endowed an immortal being of disguises and false surroundings which are indistinguishable from Q in terms of what their power level is at, right? Yeah, it seems that way. But he fell in love with a woman named Rashan, and they retired here to Rana 4. An actual alien race called the Husnak killed everybody, including Rashan. And Kevin, like, hulked out and <laughs> in an instant... Like used his awesome power to destroy the Husnak race entirely and forever. So it's not one holocaust, but two that we're talking about at this point. And, you know, the Husnak don't sound like especially nice neighbors, but maybe the ones that weren't involved in specifically killing everybody on this planet didn't deserve to die. And he says that it's like 50 billion individuals that got taken out. And it turns out that Rashan is also a recreation he is he's like willed her back into existence so he she doesn't really exist 
she's kind of a real doll, which is gross, <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, but her mouth is a lot more realistic. I mean, we should have suspected from the second we learned his name was Kevin, right? Right. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, Picard says something pretty intense here, which is, We have no law to fit your crime. Yeah, he's got a body count on him, that's for sure. Yeah. And no prison could hold him. So what? So what's Picard going to do? That's sort of the point. Like, right. Not only do we not have a law that fits your crime, but we have no way to punish you at all. Right. You know, it's almost unthinkable, like, what, what you've done and the scope of our morality and technology just don't let us address this in any way. So we're just going to leave you here and you can you can think about what you did for the rest of eternity. And oh, by the way, if you could just fix what you've done to Troy, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. So so Kevin disappears and we cut to a shot of the the doctor like running into Troy's room. And I don't know if they meant for this to be the thing, but it Kevin is standing over Troy's bed reaching for her and it almost looks like he's going for a boob when Crusher walks in. He's like, oh I was just removing this music (laughs) from her head. (laughs) One song only. (laughs) Your best. (laughs) Losers always whine about their best. (laughs) Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. When, when did Kevin get replaced by Captain Ramius? <laughs> a while ago. So he just sort of, uh, he, he waves his hand over her head, and the music is gone. And he goes back to the planet to live out the rest of his days in privacy, huh? Mm-hmm. I, I think, the, like, the last thing is that they're going to put, like, one of their signature warning beacons not to, not to go around the planet for mm. other ships. Yeah, kind of a solemn ending, huh? I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. You know what I really like was left wondering at the end of this episode, Adam, is what does Captain Picard's mission report look like <laughs> when he writes up this situation to Starfleet? It's like, well, 11,000 people died. We found a super powerful deus ex machina type alien who... Uh, took responsibility for that and also the genocide of an entire other race that uh, were called the Husnak. I uh, <laughs> guess we won't have to be dealing with them. Um, anyways, if you want to talk to this guy, he's all-powerful and he lives on Rana 4. <laughs> yeah, uh, BT dubs, we dropped a pin on this planet so you can find it again. And uh, we're just going to go on to the next. <laughs> like, does somebody at Starfleet Command go like, Picard, are you saying you've met another... <laughs> unbeatably powerful alien are you fucking kidding me man it's weird that like whenever q goes to visit them again he doesn't just yell out for kevin (laughs) kevin would make a great ally yeah and kevin kind of owes him a favor if you yell kevin three times kevin appears (laughs) hello captain picard (laughs) you rang (laughs) i got your message (laughs) hey ben what's that adam yeah Find yourself any Drunk Shimode. Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Which, of course, is the plural for Drunk Shimoda. I've only picked two Drunk Shimodas one time in the history of our show. It's but, a good uh, thing we have those data points. My, my Drunk Shimoda in this episode is Rashan. This is kind of a half-hearted Drunk Shimoda because I came up with this before I was reminded that she was, in fact, a fake Rashan and not 
the real person, but... This is a buzzed Shimoda, if it's not a fully drunk Shimoda? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, buzzed Shimoda driving is drunk Shimoda driving. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was just struck by how, like, vastly incurious she was about the fact that she and Kevin were spared. Like, she doesn't seem to have even wondered why. <laughs> like... She says at one point that she tried to put a purpose to it, but couldn't. But then she she just seems to have, like, f- fully accepted the fact that they're just going to live alone on this planet for the rest of their lives and doesn't question, like, why Kevin is not cooperating with Picard, doesn't question whether Kevin is right about telling the Enterprise to fuck the hell off. Like, she just is totally at the mercy of her husband's will, and... It just seemed crazy that she was so, so like cowed by him. It makes me think a couple of things. A, Kevin portends to be an all-seeing, all-knowing, has lived for thousands of years type of being. Right. And on the one hand, how could he have fallen in love with such a fucking simpleton? Like, <laughs> like what is interesting about Rashawn at all to him? I don't know. But- I'm sure my wife asks herself the same question every day. Sure. How did I fall in love with this dope? Either she was always that dull and his recreation of her was accurate, or he might have dumbed her down in the recreation so that she wouldn't ask a bunch of questions about why they were the last survivors, right? He he made a real doll of his previously fully fleshed out wife. Yeah. Gross. Super gross. Gross. I think that is the darker of the two ideas. Like, I like to think real Rashawn was probably pretty kick-ass if she kept Kevin's interest. Totally. And and Kevin's seen a lot of crazy shit, bedroom or otherwise. Like, Rashawn's probably knocking it out pretty hard. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> I like to think so all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think Kevin, as maybe a form of punishment for himself, probably dumbed down Rashawn in the recreation and has sort of made that a punishment going forward. Like, I don't deserve full power, Rashawn. I deserve the image of Rashawn as as sort of a further imprisonment of of what I've done. That's fucked up, yo. Yeah, pretty dark, huh? How about you, dude? Do you have a drunk Shimoda? All right. This might require some editing. So, my Shimoda is can you call up the episode i'm uh, yeah i have the episode called up okay so at minute 26 the enemy ship is attacking the enterprise and this is the moment where it's like hardcore attack right yeah uh and shit is popping off like bangers getting dropped stuff on the bridge is blowing up there's an extra that overplays are you talking about this red shirt in the background (laughs) How he gets killed so badly. So, I totally or, noticed this guy. So he flies backwards into the turbo lift, but he doesn't just fall down. He falls back into the lift and then does a forward flip onto the floor. Yeah. It is amazing. It's, and pretty, so, it's pretty solid. And what's great about this scene is that he's almost completely obscured by the railing to the back part of the bridge <laughs> yeah so I you can basically see him... just see his ipad fly up in the air and yeah and, and he goes down for the count so like i can imagine what he's thinking he's like all right i got this one scene to, to really make a name for myself as a stuntman like <laughs> i'm really gonna go for it 
but no one is going to see it. Like, like I'm almost completely obscured by the railing, but he fucking does it, and I love it. Like, yeah, no he, one's having more fun in that scene than he than he is. It's great. Yeah, solid Shimoda. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, red shirt extra at minute twenty six. <laughs> Make sure you check this out. This guy deserves your love. Yeah, he deserves a uh, an animated GIF. I think. Yeah, sliding into your DMs like. <laughs> <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Uh, what do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season three, episode four. Who watches the Watchers? Mistakenly huh. believing Captain Picard to be a god, the members of a primitive culture seize Troy and prepare to sacrifice her to him. It's a human sacrifice episode. Yeah, this is, I think this is the one where they have the like cloaked, uh, like duck blind facility to watch primitive Vulcans. A concept so strong, they decided to form an entire movie around it. <laughs> yeah, a real uh, a real peach of a movie. Yeah, God, I got. I have to admit, like, do they? Uh, do the Enterprise crew put on the makeup, the head makeup, to go to go interact with these people? Is that what happens? I think Troy and Riker do. Oh, they put on some heads, huh? Yeah, they get some some forehead shit. Hmm. I don't remember anything else besides uh, how strange. Troy looks with a headpiece. <laughs> so yeah, guess we have to watch it. Yeah, I don't remember hating this episode, so I'll. Uh... I remember hating the movie that was similarly storylined. I will say that. So I'm going into this a little apprehensive. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, if you would like to talk about the upcoming episode, the episode we just reviewed, or any other episode, you can reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cut for Time, and Ben is there as at Benjamin R. We've got Facebook pages, including a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Uh, slightly different functionalities, but the group is where you you chat, and the page is where you thumbs up us so that everybody can see what a dork you are, I guess. I don't really know how Facebook works. Um. If you like websites known for weird sex stuff and uh, car crash pictures, uh, Reddit <laughs> is a place that also has uh, two places dedicated to talking about our show. One of them is the official Maximum Fun Reddit, and the other one is Our Greatest Gen. Speaking of Maximum Fun, that's our beloved network. You should go on there and listen to all of their wonderful shows. You've got Schmanners. You've got Can I Pet Your Dog? You've got International Waters, Bullseye, Jordan, Jesse Go. So many terrific shows. You can also go to MaximumFun.org slash donate if you would like to support the ongoing production of this show, uh, which I uh, will say takes a not insignificant amount of time every week. Uh, we do spend a lot of time editing it and quality checking it and uh, trying to make it the best thing we can make it. So if, you, uh, if you'd like to throw some ducats behind that project, we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure everybody else listening also appreciates it. Yeah. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music. And we should thank our listeners for leaving all those wonderful reviews that are on iTunes. Yeah, uh, hopefully our t-shirt giveaway wasn't a reason to suspend any sort of reviewing. We must crush our enemies. Yeah. Our, our, the other Star Trek podcasts that may have fewer reviews than us, we must keep them I don't think any us. Star Trek podcast that I'm aware of has more reviews than us now. I think we are now the number one podcast on iTunes with regard to Star Trek. As it should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's really let this go to our heads, Adam. Let's become right. real shitheads about it. <laughs> Well, no more shitheady than we were before this show. Fair enough. 
Uh, thanks so much for listening. We will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also whatever this is. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.